0: Tales of possession have endured since ancient times, warning the faithful of what may happen to their souls if they turn towards sin. But while most possessed souls are inhabited by a demon, this phenomenon of Judaism shows just what happens when one restless spirit takes up residence in another. This week's episode is The Dybbuk.
1: Are you a Post Malone fan?
0: <laughs> Actually, I could not have told you a song by him, but the other day, Paris was driving and he played some hits, recent hits, and one of them was Post Malone. I was like, what is this? And he's like, it's Post Malone, don't you know? Did not know. Which song I... was it?
1: <laughs> I can't tell you. I know a couple. There's um the Spider-Verse movie. There's oh, nice. a couple in there. Um. But I, I if you got into my head to name three post Malone songs, I I don't think I could. No, I could no, no. I could definitely pick him out of a lineup of I think so. A thousand people though. <laughs> three people to a thousand. This is he's one a of very your, unique looking individual.
0: I was gonna say he's one of those people that you have decided that you are never gonna be anonymous. Like at this no. point. Like, yeah. I think I, you know, I could probably blend into a crowd, you know, comb my hair down, put on a little, even like a glasses, mustache, Groucho Marx kind of thing I could probably hide. But even even with that, you're going to see this guy's face tattoos. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah, yeah. He's not he going is, anywhere. He's also from Grapevine.
1: Oh, look at that. A local that, hero. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> yeah, is. Grapevine's own. The um, probably most controversial thing to come out of Grapevine. Otherwise, I, I it's would just, say.
0: Wine and I rode a an antique train from Grapevine once. Yeah, I lived in Grapevine for many years. It's quite. It's a wonderful city. It's lovely. It's quite yes, lovely. It is lovely. It's. It's got a lot of great parks. Yeah. Yes. It's. Uh. It's got vineyards over there, right? From what it I does. remember, I worked at several of them. Yes. Oh, okay. Are,
1: there are lots of vineyards. Here. I worked in the wine industry for throughout college, and then even from like two thousand eight to. For a couple years, where I went back and worked for them. So,
0: would you consider yourself a connoisseur
1: of great wines? I know a lot about wine for Mm -hmm. someone who does not drink wine. Fascinating. But I I mean, when I worked in the industry, I enjoyed wine, but well, now I don't ever really drink. And Mm -hmm. I will enjoy a glass of wine maybe every now and then, but I would not call myself a connoisseur. Yeah, like a, you wouldn't choose it. So, well, sometimes I guess it depends on what I'm eating.
0: Oh, that's true. If, if it pairs well,
1: yeah, if it pairs <laughs> well. But uh, it it was a very interesting job because I learned a ton about wine. That's it's just a I little
0: was, nugget of
1: Christie and Beau.
0: I love it. Just put another piece of the puzzle I falls into place. Of the puzzle.
1: <laughs> There's how many? What? How many? If you were gonna be a puzzle, how many pieces are you? Uh, probably a thousand. Thousand, like a, yeah.
0: like a big enough pain in the ass and then there're probably some missing if there's a <laughs> hole in the box
1: people the get a Piece up. Is
0: missing and everyone's like
1: god i almost had it they get fed yeah. up and give up yeah i think i'm one of those uh 3d puzzles that's yeah. just really frustrating and you can never get it
0: quite right but then when you finally do you're like oh, that feels good you're like i will never take this apart <laughs> do you remember those commercials pose 3d it's going up do you remember that
1: what is it? A puzzle? A th-
0: puzzle 3D? A puzzle 3D. That was like the brand of yes. those puzzles.
1: We have a 3D puzzle, but
0: haven't been able to put it together because Ella will destroy it. <laughs> She's like a, it, she would be like a Godzilla kind of thing. Or she a would, Or King yeah. Kong yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. What, yes, p- what's the be. shape of it? It's a Game of Thrones. Oh, It's like the whole, I think it's,
1: you know, I've never even opened it. I want to say it's like um, the intro. If you watch the intro credits, like- mm-hmm. The 3D stuff of that. I think it's that, but I honestly don't know. It could Dang, also be the intense. Throne. I really don't know. It was given to us. <laughs> the Throne. Well, um, Thrones, games, this Post Malone. Inside of a yep. box. The puzzle comes in a box. Post box. There we got, We got there. We got there. We got there. <laughs> yeah. This week, um, we wanted to do something that was... Kind of fun, but also spooky. And this one's yes. been on the docket for a while. So someone DM'd We're...
0: us about the the famous Post Malone video. So that's kind of how we got down this trail. Yes, which I, with with everyone's
1: favorite Zach Baggins of Ghost Hunters. <laughs> so what good. a duo that is! To be a fly <laughs> on the wall when those two met each other. My God, Malone and Malone and Baggins. <laughs> that is a buddy cop movie. I w- <laughs> might watch. Also might not watch. I don't know if I could handle two hours of Zach Baggins. I just
0: watched, uh, what is it? Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Loved it. Was it good? I heard it was funny. I heard it was good. Lovely. I love The Rock, though. We've been over this. Rock can do no wrong. No, not at all. I hope he's doing okay right now. He is. He has, um, he got a TikTok. It's really cute and fun. Oh, nice. He he did a TikTok where his daughter is in his lap and she's very obsessed with You're Welcome, the song from Moana. Uh And so he's in the background kind of rolling his eyes like, okay, I have to sing it again. And she's just (laughs) bouncing up and down so happy. It's very cute. That's so cute. He's
1: the the best.
0: He is. Well, we're talking about the Dybbuk and
1: the Dybbuk box.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. The famous curse. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. Before doctors knew what caused certain behaviors and actions, people thought any abnormal behavior could be chalked up to a demonic spirit or possessed soul. In Jewish folklore, the spirit that supposedly caused these actions was called a dybbuk. Much like the accusations of being a witch in early Christian American and European society, when a woman in Jewish society was accused of acting outside the norm, whether due to emotional, mental, or physical illness, she was often accused of being possessed by a dybbuk. According to scholar Avner Falk in the book The Psychoanalytic History of the Jews. Medieval Jews believed
0: in witches every bit as passionately as their Christian counterparts. That's just men, I think. It's any Your, religion, any yep. state, any country. <laughs> like she's crazy. She's probably if, got a possessed soul. If anything happens that they don't
1: like, she's a witch, <laughs> she's possessed by a demon. What? She's been bleeding for five days and hasn't died? She's Uh got to be burned at the stake. There's it's it was what a, I mean, I want to say what a crazy time that was, but it's still that time just different.
0: (laughs) It's just different. Yeah. Women are still called crazy all the time for doing things that if men do are totally fine. I always my friend just got Bumble and she started dating and she said that one of the guys she chatted with goes, oh, yeah, I had an ex, but she's crazy. And I was like, (sighs) when they say that, you got to ask yourself, what what did he do to her? Yeah. Got Bumble recently? She just downloaded it. She's been refusing to do online dating, so she just downloaded it. Well,
1: my question is, because I was wondering this the other day, are people dating right now?
0: They're, like, chatting and, like, face. So I guess you could stuff. chat, yeah, but they're not, yeah. like,
1: hopefully not meeting up to no, go on I think actual some, dates.
0: Some people have done, like, where you stay in your car and they stay in their car, but this it's just, like, all FaceTime now. Because it's, like, what are you going to... Even if you meet someone in the car, you have to holler at them. It's better to just do the video chat, you know. <laughs> yeah. How's it over there? Good, how
1: are you? It's just, like, what's the point of this? Man, it's, like... Well, I was going to say it's, like,
0: love is blind, but we can all see each other, so it's not True. really, like, love is blind. You see their picture. But they did say on NPR that it's accelerating relationships. So people that were early in their relationships, it's like making them feel like they're more in love or more together than they are. Oh, that's the Love Island uh, conundrum. The conundrum. And the opposite, though, they're saying that people that maybe wouldn't have necessarily gotten divorced for, like, years are now, like, ready to file.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to heighten whatever kind of situation you had Mm -hmm. going on. But on Love Island, they always say in... In the villa. A mm-hmm. day is like a a day in there is like a week on the outside. Wow. Because you're just around each other twenty-four seven and you have no one else to talk to but each other, which is kind of like what's happening right now.
0: We're all in Love Island.
1: <laughs> Man, what a that's my dream, honestly. <laughs> For all if, if I could be in that villa right now. Like I asked, is the rock okay? <laughs> I you did. I every time I see as celebrities instagram or anything i'm like i'm not to diminish everyone has their own mental and personal struggles they're going through right now but to have just a beautiful acres and acres of landscaped lawn and pools and tennis courts i'm like it's probably easier to deal with this
0: if you if you're living in a resort Yeah. I mean you and I saw pictures of Oprah's house when we saw her live. Oh my god. I could I would never have to leave. Like it's huge. There there are acres. There's like a rainforest on site. There's like a beach. There's a porch. There's like a hangout zone. I mean, it's like you'd be fine. Like Ellen was like, We're all trapped and I was like, Go go fuck yourself a little (laughs) bit because you're not really you're You're trapped in your several million dollar home mm -hmm. in Beverly Hills. Sounds hard for you. Sounds rough for you. It's like no, I have friends that are trapped in New York in, like, a 500-square-foot apartment right. with a spouse. Not And right. not a backyard. Yes.
1: Not even a balcony.
0: No, you, like, they, there's been people taking pictures of others on their roofs, because it's, like, the yeah. only open you space. You gotta get outside,
1: especially if you're in New York. Like, you can't just take a nice stroll somewhere. Mm-mm. So unless you have your own confined space to go in, god, that would suck. Yeah. Well, according to Jewish folklore, a dibbuk is the disembodied soul of a dead person that clings to the soul of a living person. Supposedly, the dibbuk cannot cross over to the other side and leave the host body until it has accomplished its goal. According to the Jewish Chronicle, the other side, or citra akra, is the domain of evil, where demons have free reign. In Hebrew, the verb for adhere or cling, as one does to God, mirrors the word for dibbuk. The faithful are supposed to cling to God, and when they don't, the mirror image is that their soul is inhabited by a dybbuk. The word dybbuk is a shortened form of a Hebrew phrase, meaning a cleavage
0: of an evil spirit. Spooky. Mm. I don't want anything clinging to me physically or spiritually. Yes, I'm... You don't like people touching you, really. Correct. That is demon, true. Demon or not. don't. Demon want... or not. <laughs> Externally or internally, I do not want to be touched. That's true. I don't want to be clung to. Although Dybbuk's can possess both men and women, according to
1: the Jewish Chronicle, they most often targeted women, penetrating their bodies in a sexual fashion and illustrating the doctrine of opposites, living versus dead, good versus evil, man versus woman. See, again, why does it have to be a sexual thing? Why do I got to get injected? (laughs) Well, and then when we get to how these get out of the body. It's very. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To think of how it's getting into the body and then how it comes
0: out is is mind boggling. A little little clickbait teaser for you. (laughs) It's not what you would expect. No, it's not.
1: (laughs) Early mentions of the Dybbuk date back to the 16th century. In 1602, the spirit of a dead sinner, on the run from persecution, avoided being sent to the other side by inhabiting the body of an otherwise moral young man. The Dybbuk then caused the possessed man to turn his back on his prior good ways and begin acting immorally. It wasn't until S. Einski's play, The Dibick, premiered in Warsaw, Poland in 1920, that the spirit got more mainstream attention. Although religious texts had previously written about possession by a demon— The Dybbuk was the first example of possession by the disembodied spirit of another person.
0: The uh, plot of this play was that a young lady was, like, falling in love with a guy. He passed away, so she had to get another suitor. But then the spirit of her former suitor took up residence in her body, and they had to, like, perform a ritual to get it out of her. And then she ends up dying, too. And then this is a play from the 1920s, so spoiler alert. And then they go off into the new realm together. But it was well. Like, in the end, it worked out for them. Then I guess That's you good. know what Eternal love, except for the guy that was like very ready to marry her, and is like, "What's why are you acting weird?" Oh God! And now you're dead. That did not go well for him. But it's a this play is very important in Jewish like literature and theater from the 1920s on, and it it's been redone as like movies. They've redone it as musicals, as operas. So it's it's a story that gets retold and retold um, throughout. And it was kind of the first, I guess. You know, mainstream we- attention of the Dybbuk. It's true.
1: In the book, Tree of Souls, the mythology of Judaism, Howard Schwartz includes an account of Dybbuk possession. The Dibbick spirit itself was that of a man whose bad behavior in life, it caused his spirit to be unable to cross over. In life, he broke up a marriage and fathered a child with another man's wife. The man then died in a shipwreck before he was able to confess his sins and absolve himself. After his burial, when all the funeral goers had left, an angel came and opened his casket with a fiery rod, then took him to a place called Gehenna, a destination for the wicked. However, the man was refused entry and was instead condemned to be dragged around earth in chains, tortured by three angels, until the death of the child he fathered with the married woman. Mm. That's uh, I wonder if th- it was Charlie's angels.
0: Yeah, so there's three of them. There's
1: three of them. You don't know. Uh,
0: And it sucks for him that he has to then wish for the death of his own child that's, so that he can be free. That's, that's a little a, bit so of a, a choice.
1: choice situation right there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, Gehenna is
1: what Christians know as hell. They're kind yep. of uh synonymous in that way. There's also, I think it's Slipknot, has a song called Gehenna? Ca- yeah, found all this out on YouTube today. Were you a big Slipknot fan back in the day? No, I was not. I cannot say I was a Slipknot fan. Did, don't think I could name one song apart from the one I just
0: named. I could uh, pick one of them out of the lineup. Didn't they wear masks? I may be wrong. I thought they? they wore, I thought they wore spooky masks. Guar? Guar? Oh, they, they dress up in costumes. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know it wasn't
1: Guar. I think Tommy would know. I think Tommy yeah. was into, He was probably into Slipknot at one point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they wore masks. That wasn't, um, believe it or not, I was not
0: a big Slipknot head. Not back in the day? What was like no. your high school go-to song, like high school go-to bands? Oh, man. I was just thinking about this the other day uh, because
1: I think I was at the grocery store and some like 90s pop came on. I was like, oh, this song was a jam back in the day. I want to say it was, uh, oh, crap. what What is it? Um, if you're gone baby it's time to go home oh yes is that, i know the song who, who's that Ma- uh, matchbox 20 matchbox 20 matchbox 20 there an album came out when i was a junior that was so good and every time i hear that album it, it takes me back there i was also embarrassingly big into dave matthew's band
0: oh <laughs> man is so
1: douchey but back then <laughs> it was like the band to be into. I've seen Dave Matthews maybe more than any other band I've seen in my life. No way. Oh, dude. I saw them so many times in high school. I saw them like four or five times in high school. Them and Bob Schneider, because he's from Texas and he used to play every freaking weekend somewhere. to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Also a douchey band. A douchey singer to be into. But <laughs> um yeah, I also... uh I was very big into like musical theater, so I liked I liked all that stuff a lot too. Same I was a a theater kid in high school. Same. (laughs) (laughs) What about you?
0: Uh, I love John Mayer, and people were like, oh, John Mayer's nothing more than a new Dave Matthews. And I was like, well, now I have to listen to Dave Matthews' band. So I went to CD Warehouse, got some old CDs, <laughs> and got very into Dave Matthews' band. I yeah. was like, "I'm um, cool, you guys. I like Under the Table and Dreaming. Under and the I, Table and Dreaming was a great album. In Gray Street, I was like, this song is like my soul. That, <laughs> one, was yes, that, that one was later.
1: Yes. That one like, was a later one, yeah. Under the uh-huh. Table and Dreaming. And oh, I can see the cover of the album in my head. It's like a flower and half of it's blue mm-hmm. and half of it's crash. white. Is that what it was? Was that well, Crash? The, the Crash into Me is on that album. I think the album's called Crash. Okay. Yeah, that one was great. But if I heard a Dave Matthews song, I'm immediately back junior year of high school. When it, I love it when it goes, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it gets it's you. Great. Yeah. Ants Marching, great song. So I'm good. The, and I was thinking about this the other day because I was driving around. I'm like, I should put on some Dave Matthews right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> but I didn't because it's You're it like, was a whole thing. I got I a need new to phone relax. and I don't have bluetooth in my car. Oh. And it's a whole re- thing that I can't cuz it don't have a headphone jack on my phone now. Oh no. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I'm going to have to get a new car. Just kidding. I'm getting an
0: adapter to <laughs> to work. <laughs> but I really do need a new car. But who can get a new car right now? No, you can't unless you go to Carvana and get out of the the car machine. That's what and I And they did. just they just send it to you. Yeah. Well, the man reasoned his only means of escaping this
1: torture was to possess the body of a living soul. He first tried possessing a rabbi, but was flung out by a flock of impure spirits that the rabbi invoked to drive out the Dibbock. Next, the Dibbock tried possessing a dog, but the dog didn't take well to possession, and apparently became so crazed that it ran until it dropped dead. Finally, the man found a widow and took up residence in her soul. Well, that's a rule
0: of threes that yeah. I'm not a fan of. <laughs> <It's>, he's heightening. <laughs> Although I do like that the rabbi I- invoked a flock of impure spirits. That's You've got like, to. That's a good uh, good crew to have on your side. Yeah. During the
1: exorcism to save the widow, the Dybbuk told the rabbi that he was able to enter the widow's soul because she had little faith and did not believe that the waters of the Red Sea had truly parted. When the woman swore that she did believe it and repeated that belief to the rabbi's present. The Dybbuk flew out of the woman's pinky toe on her left foot. Well, there it is, everyone. There it is. They go in through the vagina, out through the toe. (laughs) Out through the toe. Are we certain that they always enter through the vagina? Or can they just attach to you? I think they just attach to you. That could be said of anybody, am I right?
0: I... Um, I, well, cause also they, atta- I mean, they've attached to men as well. So I think it's yeah. just a penetrative, it's penetrative. So maybe like if your soul is where your heart near is near your heart or your guts, I don't know. They somehow, I mean, it's a ghost, man. They can go through guts. You know, I didn't know until probably the last 10
1: to 15 years that your heart isn't on your side where you put your hand.
0: It's kind of in the middle, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like in the middle of your body more. I only knew that because of Pulp Fiction when I was a kid and they stabbed the needle down into her heart. Mm -hmm. He kind of stabs it right. It kind of the middle-ish. I only know where the appendix is
1: because when Uncle Jesse had appendicitis on a Full House episode (laughs) (laughs) and he had to go to the hospital and he was wearing a Fred Flintstone costume and I distinctly remember him putting his hand over the side of the costume where his appendix was.
0: I didn't drink in high school because DJ got caught with beer and Uncle Jesse was so sad with her. And I was like, I don't want to get You don't want to be Uncle Jesse. No. Man, those
1: teaching moments in those 90s sitcoms were so good.
0: Yeah, the lights would get dark and the, the music would be like, do, 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 do. And, and there were like-
1: always like,
0: they'd be like, like,
1: I vividly remember an episode of, oh my gosh, it wasn't the one with Willis. What was the other one that was like Willis? With the rich white guy that adopts, uh, like, an Different urban strokes? city. Different Strokes, yes. I remember the molestation
0: episode of Different Strokes. I do not. And it was always, like, but they're, that's how they taught kids. Like, yeah. I distinctly and- remember when Cherry on Punky Brewster yes. got stuck in the refrigerator. Refrigerator, yes. yes. I think about that episode all the time. But can I just say, I never got in a refrigerator Hell no. when I was playing High and Seat because I was like, I know what happened to Cherry. She almost died. Yes, so she did. So these, these 90s sitcoms did their job because did. I didn't drink and I did not time uh, in the refrigerator. No, not at all. You t- and you
1: turned out great. Yes. Yeah, there, were some, there was also a different Strokes one about uh, eating disorders. There were always like really... Heavy. Heavy, but uh, you know what? Do shows still do that? Are there like, shows that like teenagers watch that are like wholesome, like a Full uh, House or something that teach? I don't know. I'm not. I'm too old, and Ella's too young, so yeah, I'm, I'm not, not I don't... hip enough.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> or you're I know, too maybe hip. Uh, maybe like Disney Channel shows, but oh, I don't know that's what's true. currently. I bet only. there's.
1: I bet there's like stuff like that addressed on those types of shows. Yeah, I'll have to start watching them. <laughs> I need, I need some of that back in my life. (laughs) I need some lessons. I need some good, wholesome lessons back in my life to make me feel good about stuff. Well, later the rabbis checked the widow's mezuzah, a small wooden casing that contains biblical verses written on parchment and is usually affixed to a doorpost. When the rabbis opened the mezuzah, they saw that it was in fact empty, meaning that the Dybbuk was able
0: to enter her home and her body. So she's learned a lesson here. You can't be, you have to follow the rules. The rules are, you know, faithfulness, cling to God, put the mezuzah with the proper parchment in it. Don't let your husband die. Step one. (laughs) Keep that man around so the Dybbuk doesn't get you. Ladies.
1: (laughs) Much like a demonic possession in Christianity, to rid a possessed person of a Dybbuk in Judaism, holy leaders must perform a ritual. According to the Jewish Chronicle, A group of 10 men who purify themselves through fasting and other rituals dress themselves in the same white shrouds in which a body would be buried. A rabbi would then address the Dibbic spirit directly and order it to leave the host body. Similar to the exorcism movie. Yes. Yeah. This is all very. Yes. Judaism has theirs. Christianity has theirs. I imagine most religions have a story like this. Cultures and religion. Yeah. I would say even Mm -hmm. if it's not a religion. According to Rabbi Abraham Bronstein
0: from the Hampton Synagogue, the core of the ceremony itself is essentially a negotiation in which the exorcist addresses the spirit directly, demanding that it leave its host and the spirit stating its reasons for remaining.
1: The rabbi conducting the ceremony would invoke divine names, sound a shofar, a ram's horn trumpet, and open an ark to reveal holy Torah scrolls. All of this done in an effort, according to Rabbi Bronstein, to create a heightened
0: atmosphere of tension and danger, as well as a holiness that the spirit could not tolerate. The rabbi concludes, in the end, the spirit would be forced to leave the host, preferably through a toe, and be restricted from further nefarious activity. I don't know the toe thing gets me. It's great. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, if they're going to blow a hole in your body, pinky toe is a great way. I guess
1: that's the least, um, the, the, the nicest way to leave. The least thing that
0: can be affected. And it's a it's far away from important stuff like your head and your heart and your butt even. Yes. It's it's close ish. But and if you uh, need your you don't really need your pinky
1: toe. So if something were to happen to it, it's not like you can't walk anymore. Your whole life is going to be
0: upended. Your balance is going to be all off if your pinky toe gets cut off by a street sweeper. Perhaps. (laughs) Um, Yes. Perhaps um, is getting a bad name. It's, you know, it, I like that the rabbis give it an opportunity to mm-hmm. state its reasons to remain. Like, yeah. why are you here? Just hear me out, you guys. They're negotiators. That's what it sounds like. They're hostage
1: negotiators, essentially. Es- essentially, yeah. This person is being held hostage by the Dybbuk. I wonder if there's ever an, a story where the Dybbuk states a good enough reason for it to be possessing that person. That the rabbis go, you know what? You're right. We'll They're see like, you oh, later. And they sorry. just
0: Sorry. Sorry, victim. That's a really good reason. It's I think a really because good reason. I think that the ultimate winning argument, though, is God. And so no matter what mm-hmm. reasoning they have, the rabbis are still like, you got to get the hell out of here. So they're just being polite by letting him state his, <laughs> his business. But they know they're
1: going to kick him out regardless. The, the decision's been made. Spotting a Dybbuk may not be simple, as Dybbuk's can take on several forms and cling to the souls of humans and animals alike. According to some, Dibbicks can also be captured inside of objects, like the case of the Dibbick box. In September of 2001, a man named Kevin Manis, who owned an antique store, put an object up for sale on eBay. It was a wine storage box, purchased by Kevin from a woman in an estate sale in Poland. He was told that the box was a family heirloom, but when Kevin attempted to return the item to the family, he was told by the woman's granddaughter that the family had no interest in taking it back. For as long as the grandmother had it, the box was kept hidden away so that no one could open it and accidentally unleash the spirit inside. Kevin was told that there was a Dybbuk inside and that the entity inside the box was a word translated to mean playful spirit. Well, it's sounded well, and cursed. I think that's um, when you look at like a real estate listing and they're like, this cozy cottage, and you're like, it's a shack, it's a ramshackle, it's, so, it's a shanty. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yes. that's just yeah. nice marketing. We're they're putting a spin
0: on this, if you will. They're like totally walkable. You're like on a dangerous intersection <laughs> yes. where there's a thousand cars. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a bit of but I do like that he was buying an antique and that, oh, well, this they may this may be emotional for them. We should try to give it back. And they're like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, no, no, we do not want that. A playful spirit's mm. inside,
1: also. If they're trying to pass it off as a playful spirit, there's red flag number one. Like, well, why wouldn't you want that back if it's playful?
0: And you've had it your whole family. And it's
1: like, nope, not that kind of playful. Curiosity eventually got the better of Kevin, and he decided to open the mysterious box. Inside were two pennies from the 1920s, a lock of blonde hair tied with a cord, a little statue engraved with the word Shalom, a small wine goblet seemingly made of gold a singular dried rosebud, and a candle holder held up by four ornate octopus-shaped legs. I mean, okay, overall, well, this it's, is a creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's a grab <laughs> it's bag. Like it's like a, a creepy grab bag. <laughs> if I open that, if I mean, as
0: soon as I see the hair, I'm out. Yeah, one one of those things yeah. being in the box is creepy, but all of them together. <laughs> all, the only thing if I saw in there,
1: no, honestly, everything if I opened that would creep me out, even if it was just one item in there
0: yeah also you know put it together yeah it's wooden and it's old so when you open it it's got that like old spooky smell yeah and it creaks mm.
1: like
0: (coughs) I it's just two little pennies it's like still (laughs) freaky
1: still creepy (laughs) yeah all of that's creepy according to an interview with ktvo news 3 manis decided to store it in the basement of his furniture refinishing shop and didn't think more of it that is, until in his absence one day, the box caused a customer to go berserk. His employee called Kevin, hysterical and crying, saying someone is smashing items and swearing. When Manus returned, he found the employee gone. The basement wrecked and stinking of cat urine. and Every single one of the lights in the basement busted out. I mean, it sounds like a human-sized cat got trapped. I was going to say, I've oh, had a, i have had I was going to say owned a cat. I didn't own her. We no. adopted her. She owned us. Quite frankly, the, that's just
0: a cat. Yeah, that's, that's just a <laughs> fucking cat in your basement <laughs> doing what it wants. If those lights are hanging, you're asking for it. That yeah. cat will knock that out. Pisses everywhere. I swore and smash shit all the time because of our cat, because <laughs> so she would do.
1: This is just a cat. Yeah, uh, 100%. <laughs> God rest her soul. Our, our sweet Cleo. Unfazed, Kevin cleaned up the box and decided to give it to his mother as a birthday gift. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) This is such a crazy part of this story. What son is like, you know what? I I don't know. It's fine. Do you think even if it's not creepy, why the hell would your mother want this? If I gave this to my mom, she'd be like, What the
0: fuck is this? What do I do with this thing? What am I supposed to do with it? That's the question. (laughs) My question is, do you think that he was like Oh, mother will love this box. Or it was like her birthday and he was like, oh, shit. I didn't get her anything. And he's like, uh, "Ooh, box. I'll give her the box. I watched
1: um, a interview slash reenactment show on YouTube. <laughs> I believe the show is called Fear. I will put the link in the show notes. And it interviews him and then has actors reenacting the whole thing. And by all accounts, he decided he was going to give this to her long before it was her birthday like mother will love this <laughs> i'll give it to her yeah and then you know when her birthday is how Hall- your birth your birthday
0: oh it's oh it's near halloween it's october 28th oh your birthday yeah well, i hope this year i get a dibbik box. no i hope i don't i hope I don't. well uh
1: you can because they sell them on etsy and ebay All the
0: time.
1: I went down a rabbit hole of people that sell these things. And I'm like, first of all, if you're buying a Dybbuk box from someone that's selling 100 Dybbuk boxes, wouldn't it stand to reason that they can't all be possessed? But you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) That's what everyone's clinging on to. They they come with um, documentation that this is just for fun. But I watched some unboxing videos of Dybbuk boxes And everyone says, but what if it really is possessed? So it's that excitement of maybe something weird happens.
0: That's it's the excitement of everything haunted. I'm going to get you a Dippic box for your birthday. Oh, God. Oh, no. Just letting letting you know. I'm going to bury it in the yard. Actually, I'm going to get you a giant cat.
1: instead. (laughs) It's the same difference. (laughs) It'll do the same thing to my house. Uh When Kevin's mom arrived at the shop on her special day, Kevin gave her the box and briefly left the room. Exemplar reports that when Kevin returned, his mother was totally unresponsive, motionless, and crying. When taken to a hospital, they learned she had a stroke and was unable to speak. Kevin then gave her a spell board so she could communicate using letters. When she pointed to the letters, her son saw that she was telling him,
0: No gift and hate gift. (laughs) That's a bad review. that's a sick ass burn. Hate, hate gift, hate
1: gift. He's like, Mother, I can spell you can anything say- on this. Yes,
0: like, yes. I love you.
1: Uh, More I- water. <laughs> Not your fault. Hate
0: gift, hate gift. <laughs> Mother, are you spelling out you did this? Oh no. <laughs> are you spelling out I regret ever having you? <laughs> oh no. But on the
1: interview, it has the mom. And she is so emotional about the whole thing. She's weeping, recounting mm-hmm. the story. And she said her son gave it to her. She was, she sat down. He had to leave the room. She opened it. And she said it felt like a cold breeze just came out of it. And she said she was just like all of a sudden paralyzed and just sank in this chair and couldn't move. And she said she knew she was having a stroke. That's so and scary. One of the employees, um, like walked by her at that time was like oh my gosh mrs manis and ran to get her son and she said she was just thinking am i going to die before my son gets back so i can see him one last time so like she was well aware she was having a stroke but she couldn't move or speak or anything which is a total nightmare it's so scary but she said she just felt drawn to she felt she said she felt like the box was looking back at her Oh, and that it just had this control over her
0: and and that she was just paralyzed and locked in place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so spooky when you or not even spooky, like scary to think that an object could have physical, not just, you know, whatever you believe uh, spiritually control over you, but something where you look at it and it causes a physiological reaction. Like, I mean, this isn't like I felt like I had a stroke. They had to take her to the hospital. She legitimately did have a stroke. I have a theory about why we'll okay. get to later.
1: Kevin continued to try giving the box to various family members. Kevin, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> why is Kevin just burn it? Why,
0: why is anybody? Nobody wants Put it wants out on the car on bulk trash day and they will pick it up and take it to the dumps. Well, each time the family members returned it. His
1: brother told him it smelled of jasmine flowers while his sister reported the smell of cat urine. Even when he sold it to unrelated parties, they inevitably brought the box back. Kevin told KTVO News 3 that he came back to the shop one day to find the
0: box returned with a note saying, This has a strange darkness about it. That's one I, way to return it. He's like, you do just, you have the receipt, though? Because I need mean, <laughs> proof of purchase within 30 days. And this box looks like it would it's not
1: terribly large, It was originally a wine box. It looks like it would probably hold, like, two bottles of wine in it. So it's not like it's this giant thing that would be cumbersome to get rid of. Just set a match to it. Yeah, so it is. all these problems. Whether inside his house or in a storage unit, the box brought unsettled feelings. Kevin suffered from nightmares involving... An old hag that beats the living hell out of you as well as the smell of cat urine, permeating any space where the box was kept. Eventually, he managed to sell it on eBay to a student in Missouri named Yosef Nietzsche. Yosef later sold the box once he and his roommates suffered from... Insomnia and illness. ...according to Exemplar.
0: Well, that sucks for his roommates that he's like, Hey, guys, bought something off the internet. Maybe it's cursed. Anyway, <laughs> putting it in the family room, and they're like, What? We all feel like shit, man. <laughs> Get rid of we your fucking slept in days. Why are you also... bring a cat piss box in this
1: house? <laughs> First of all, uh, word said no pets allowed, and all I smell <laughs> is cat piss. So which one of you brought a cat in the house? It's <laughs> like, it's the box. What is wrong with Kevin though? All of this stuff is happening. He's getting sick, he doesn't want it, and then he
0: sells it to someone? That's bad karma, man. And it's true. And in- I mean, I guess unless he told him, hey, this is haunted and will make you sick, and it definitely smells like piss. And someone's like, sign <laughs> me. Well, then in that case, yeah, he's he's free. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Jason Haxton, a museum director also in Missouri, bought the box from Yosef for a price of two hundred and eighty dollars. Haxton consulted experts from all areas of expertise to assist his understanding of the box. Supposedly, Haxton experienced both bad and good reactions from having the box, including welts and hives, as well as an anti-aging effect. He was worried that the box was coated in cyanide when he first acquired it, as he and his wife experienced a feeling of illness. Haxton told
0: KTVO News that he believed that... There is a source of energy that can be explained scientifically as well as spiritually. So I think
1: this might be one of the reasons why it makes people sick. I think maybe it was coated in some some kind of chemical that... Yes, like cyanide, or because cyanide has a sweet smell to it, which oh. like jasmine flowers, or a cat just pissed all over it, and that is enough to make anyone nauseous and sick. <laughs> I the like smell that of cat pee is the worst smell he in the world. Sold it.
0: It's so it makes you so sick. The it's stench the of it, especially like yeah. a boy, unfixed male cat, it's oh. so bad. It Just sprays everywhere. Yeah, Ugh. that's terrible. But the two hundred eighty dollars, I imagine it was three hundred dollars, and he like negotiated because <laughs> that's such a specific number, and you know yeah. the guys like. It's I'm hard set at three hundred, and then he's like, "Well, doesn't it smell like cap hiss and also cause like rashes?" And all right, the best I can do is two eighty, man. He's <laughs> like, "All right, sold." Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'll take it. I'd be giving that thing away. That's what
0: I'm saying for two hundred. He but was guess...
1: giving it away, and then
0: everybody just kept returning it. Then he, I guess, he paid because it says he sold it to Joseph. So Yosef had to pay some amount for it. So I guess he was trying to recoup his his costs. Maybe. I think you just bite the bullet on that one. Yeah, I was going to say. Dump it in the ocean. As my grand, my mom said, my grandma would be like, if you go, I have a headache, do you, and you should go, do you want some Tylenol? And if you said no, she'd be like, well, I guess you don't have that bad of a headache. Yeah. So it's like, man, the box made me an insomniac and made me sick, but uh, I didn't just give it away. I waited to sell it. It's like, I guess it didn't make you that sick. Exactly. She would have just gave it out. Yeah. Well,
1: Haxton finally sold the box after he couldn't contain its powers. For a time, he kept it inside another specially carved box lined with 24-karat gold. He then buried the box in a military-grade container on his property. But later reason, someone with more expertise should own the box. Haxton then sold the box to Zach Baggins, host of TV's Ghost Adventures, who wanted to showcase the box in his museum of haunted
0: items in Las Vegas. I feel like when Zach Baggins walks onto the scene, it's just like Limp get starts playing. <laughs> yes and decked out in you know who starts playing a slipknot
1: yes you, zach baggins right. could tell us every single one of slipknot's albums beginning to end the, the B entire side. catalog let me tell you the b-side of this
0: album it's extra good
1: yes he oh, could also um sell you 1000 affliction t-shirts if you
0: so desired <laughs> i got a band full of them in the back they're still new inbox because i got them from the printer in the boxes i was gonna go through them all in the next month but uh i could sell a couple.
1: The Haunted Museum in Las Vegas contains items that Zach claims are haunted, including a doll called Peggy that has caused people who look at her to have heart attacks. There are paintings by serial killer John Wayne Gacy, as well as a room of celebrity deaths that include artifacts such as a chair in which Michael Jackson died. Some find the museum fun, while other reviewers call the museum simply one gimmick after another, explaining that the experience is uncomfortable and offensive in many ways however that doesn't stop visitors from heading to the museum to see the dybbuk box this isn't up my alley
0: no i don't
1: i don't like murderabilia or anything like that i find it tacky
0: yeah and that's what they said in the celebrity death room there's like the polaroid that the cop shot of chris farley whenever they Mm. found his body and stuff like that where i'm like It's like, yes, they're celebrities, but it's like, that's a human being. That was someone's friend, family member, loved one. And it's just kind of shitty to exploit it. In the worst moment of their life, which turned to
1: then death. And you're, yeah, you're exploiting it for morbid curiosity and
0: financial gain. 100%. And it's just sad. Even and like Michael Jackson, he was a sad person who was addicted to drugs. Like, that's a sad way to die. He has there's problematic things about Michael Jackson's yeah, life Yeah he was also a child molester He was a child molester But he, it's like the human dignity of death You know Yeah
1: yeah, I, I agree
0: And also they said that the that review which we'll post the links If you were like curious about the museum But don't want to like go and like patronize it Says that they have little people Dressed in like carnival outfits No And it's exploitive It's kind of like the old fashioned freak show And it's just like uncomfortable And kind of like you said kind of like tacky Yeah that stuff makes me super uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. The box is kept in a glass container so that no one can touch it. Before being led into the room with the box, visitors must sign a waiver and receive verbal instructions on the dangers. One such visitor, rapper Post Malone, visited the museum in June of 2018. He signed the waiver and heard the instructions. Nevertheless, in video footage obtained by TMZ, Zach showed Malone the box without the normal protective casing. As Zach stands with a hand on the box, Malone grips Zach's shoulder. The two stand a bit closer to the box. Then Malone becomes visibly spooked
0: by something, and the two quickly leave the room. You know, it's, if it's on TMZ, it's real. That's my mom's only source of news. I will say right now, Nancy is, TMZ is
1: a legitimate source of news. They, they are, do? they're trash people who have no
0: morals or ethics, mm-hmm. but they do report the truth. And as you say, they won't, and that Harvey Levin, is that his name, the main guy? I mean, he's a lawyer, and he's like, I'm not going to get sued. If we don't have, I mean, if we have definitive proof of something, then I'll report it. But yes, they, they can be also exploitive. But yeah, this the, footage, uh,
1: their show is is not the best.
0: I love whenever uh, they do, is it, who is it that does it's,
1: um, I know sketch? You, I, yeah. I think it's Pete Davidson, isn't it? Or is, is it? No, it's a couple of them.
0: I was going to say Eric Andre plays one yeah, guy. Yeah, Eric Andre and, plays a guy. Yeah, the the sketch the sketch version of it's so funny. It's, <laughs> it's so good. It's so spot it's so on. Good. Yeah, um, but yeah, this footage this footage because Post Malone never touches the box. Zach touches the box, right? And Post Malone touches his shoulder. So according to some, that is sufficient contact being in the room with the box to get him cursed. Zach was a conduit, if you will, yes. from the box to yes. Post Malone. Or have we investigated the possibility that Zach himself is cursed, <laughs> and if you touch him, your yeah. life is ruined? <laughs> I think Zach is the one. The box, again, not to
1: be blamed. Zach is the one that cursed Post
0: Malone. Maybe or 100%. Post Malone didn't even touch Zach. He touched the Affliction T-shirt, and that's why he's oh. trying to sell him out of the van in the back because there's that's what it is. Yes, coated in cyanide out of his dungeon i went down a zach baggins <laughs> when you sent me that rabbit today, hole on youtube today <laughs> i was on i was walking the dogs christy sent me a link we'll put it in the show notes it has nothing to do with the show but it's a, it's a video of a day in the life of zach baggins and it's a situation where i'm like walking the dogs and there's like a lady on her porch and i just turned it on and i started laughing out loud so hard she was like sounds like you're having a good walk and i was like lady you're have no
1: clue." <laughs> you like why do you come watch this uh just kidding you have to stay six feet away from me yeah i know it's um and I'll, I will post a link because I, like I told you in that text, I was like, I may have stumbled upon the most amazing thing I've ever found.
0: <laughs> most amazing video. He's
1: like, just me hanging out in my dungeon. I was like, I'm sorry. He was, he starts it off by going, I do record, I do a lot of work for ghost hunters, but in between, I work on other projects, namely my passion for creating music. <laughs> and then he goes on to explain how it's like that episode of Friends where Ross finds his sound that summer. <laughs> except it's uh him communicating with ghost set to like edm tracks it is is wild it's so i'm cringing just thinking about it but he legitimately says whoever he may be filming this himself for all i know but he's like (laughs) I'm just, let's go down to my dungeon and I'll show you some of my tracks. He has a fucking dungeon in his house. He calls it a dungeon. It's amazing. And there's like candles and skulls everywhere.
0: That's like when when a guy's like, do you want to hang out in my loft? And it's a refinished attic. And you're like, this is an attic, not (laughs) a loft. Yeah. You're like, this is your parents' attic. Yeah, you live in your parents' attic. You don't live in a loft downtown. You live in your mom and dad's attic. Yes, it is. Let me go hang out in my, my cool sound dungeon. You're like, this is a basement. <laughs> Probably I also literally... at your mother's house in Las Vegas. <laughs> I thought it was a Vic Burger video because of how it was edited and the sounds. And he goes, you know the sound I love the most water and then it's just like trickle 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 i was like what am i watching
1: right now it's so over the top i told you i was like all i want is for christopher guest to write a movie about him and like it just be like super serious oh my god it would be so amazing if it just like spinal tap but for ghost hunters Would be my dream come best, true.
0: Best in show, but they're all ghost hunters meeting
1: up at a Love ghost it. hunter convention. Oh, that's so good. God damn. I wish I knew Christopher Guest. I mean, I think about that all the time, but this time anyway. I really wish I knew him. I'll tweet him. It's fine. Well, this encounter was apparently enough to curse Post Malone, who claims he saw a dark figure that then followed him home from the museum. Later that year in August, after the MTV VMA awards, the tires of his private plane blew off as the rapper took off for London. The plane eventually landed safely, but only a few days after that frightening incident, armed robbers broke into Post Malone's former house, demanding to see him. In September of that same year, he was in a car accident, being T-boned in Los Angeles while driving in his Rolls Royce. Luckily, he survived that incident with no injuries. It's kind of like
0: a final destination.
1: For a really rich person.
0: Yeah. My private private
1: plane. Private plane that he was taking to London uh i'm sure that it was a mansion they broke into mm-hmm. and then he was driving around in his rolls when he got into an accident they did
0: say that it was t-boned by a kia which i felt very bad for the kia mm, driver because you know that is an expensive car to fix the rolls royce yes and that kia probably the rolls royce
1: are, are tanks that kia probably crumpled yeah. this series of events led some online to speculate that malone had been cursed by his encounter with the dybbuk box However, Malone himself seemed to have a different answer, as he tweeted, God hates me. In response to all the misfortune. That's fair. Well, I mean, that's kind
0: of in line with the Dibbett curse, though. That's true. If you have strayed from the Lord, it can cling mm-hmm. to your soul. There you go. And also, Zach Bagans has all kinds of fucked up stuff in that place. And it's in a the house that it's in was formerly, like, there's a funeral parlor part to it. So then, like, the structure itself is also cursed. So... Maybe he touched something else. The spirit falls him into the dipic room, and that's when it makes himself, makes itself mm. seen. So we can't it's just probably blame that doll, Peggy yeah. the doll, Peggy the. Although they do say that there's like a speaker inside of the Peggy the doll, and then the tour guide will be like, "Peggy, do you have anything to say?" And it'll be like, "Murmur, murmur," mur. and people are like, "Oh, it's like really, it's a speaker inside of the doll box." God.
1: Well, why does the myth of a possessive spirit endure? In his book, scholar Avner Falk postulates that the myth of the Dybbuk was created to control the populace and encourage moral behavior. The legend was most pervasive in
0: close-knit traditional and rigid Jewish
1: communities and served the purpose of warning against any unacceptable sexual urges or antisocial and aberrant impulses. When a member of that community deviated from acceptable social norms, the person would have an exorcism performed on them to
0: rid the body of the dibek, the supposed source of the undesirable behavior. It kind of goes back to the witch thing and any of the religious. stuff. Yeah. you you behave in a certain fashion or else. I knew a girl that had an exorcism <gasps> performed on her by her parents. No, no. She, her
1: par- her parents didn't perform the exorcism. They called a priest to perform an exorcism on and he her. Did it? Yeah, she was she was a little kid.
0: What was she doing that made them like just being a kid?
1: I mean, I didn't know her as a kid. I uh-huh. I heard this story as she was an adult and she recounted it, but. Uh yeah, I mean I would think she was just acting like a a rowdy
0: child. Yeah. But uh to some perhaps she was <laughs> possessed by a demon. I'm try I don't have a kid. But I'm thinking unless their head is turned around backwards or their eyes are like actually glowing, probably you could go to like family counseling.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's that's my thing. Or with like all an of MD things.
0: Yeah. I
1: think these types of things can be very harmful to actual mental health problems because they're just written off as, Oh, they're possessed. They're cursed. They're, they're a witch when no, they're actually suffering from mental health issues. And we're just sweeping that under the rug and not like helping these people. And instead making it be this mystical phenomenon that we aren't going to treat with any kind of medicine or counseling or anything like that. And
0: it's just, It's sad, kind of, when you think about it. Well, and luckily it seems like in the Jewish community it has gone toward that, that it's not, they don't just blame everything on the, but back in, you know, you're screwed if it's 1850 and you're, you know, you're suffering from something that there's A, no medicine for, and B, no explanation for, then yeah, that's, well, it's probably, probably possessed. You're like, no, I don't think so. I just need help. No.
1: Rabbi Abraham Bronstein from the Hampton Synagogue described the behavior of one possessed by a dibbuk
0: to a popular Yiddish newsletter. The Rabbi said A person possessed by a dibbuk might lose control of their body, falling to the ground in convulsions, weeping or shouting. Sometimes they would act rebelliously, refusing to participate in normal communion or congregational life. Famously, many possessions featured the demons speaking through the host's body in a strange voice and even describing faraway events or community secrets that the host themselves could not have known. However, Falk writes in his book, the people
1: who believed themselves to be possessed by a dybbuk and who were treated as such by their families were in
0: fact actually severely hysterical, borderline, or otherwise emotionally disturbed people. Which is true. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and especially, you know, when your family starts to believe it too, and it, it gets to, to be like a case of almost not like foali Do, but like where everyone starts to buy into it and so then suddenly it's almost like with the smurl family with what you kind of saw happening where one person believes it and then they don't have you know other family members don't have cause to deny it so then every they can they start to find evidence that's not really evident you know it's it's all actually just symptoms of a problem that can't be treated exactly unlike many
1: myths there are written accounts of dybbuk possessions that include dates names of the possessed and names of witnesses However, with the evolution of modern medicine and mental health resources, there have
0: been fewer Dybbuk possession reports. In fact, according to Rabbi Bronstein, When Rabbi Yoel Teitelbaum was once consulted about a possible Dybbuk possession, he recommended a psychiatrist. Even within the Orthodox world, my sense is that, though belief in Dybbuk's in principle may linger, almost anyone would treat the symptoms a Dybbuk would present in terms of mental health. Well, good for Rabbi Yoel Teitelbaum. Yeah, for sure. I mean, no, it's one of those where you're practicing for, you know, your religious beliefs, but also incorporating scientific, medical, mental health, things like that yeah. in it to be truly a holistic leader, a community leader.
1: Yes, which is absolutely critical in any religion. Mm-hmm. When asked what one should do if they suspect themselves or a loved one is possessed by a dybbuk, Rabbi Bronstein
0: instructed them to call. A reputable mental health professional, though, if you are convinced that the situation is more supernatural, Rabbi David Batri, head of the Hashalom Yeshiva in Israel, is the only living person today who claims to have successfully exercised a dybbuk. Well, I'd like to interview him. No, seriously, to know what it was like and, you know, how you I'm sure now, you know, with the modern mental health, uh, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? Like the advances, you would yeah. rule all of that out first and then be like, No, this mm-hmm. really is a spiritual problem. I mean, there's priests
1: that one hundred percent believe in exorcisms and that people mm-hmm. Christian Christians can be possessed and that they've cured them of that. So
0: you know, I'm not I'm who am I to say what's right and what's wrong? Oh no, for sure. I mean, as long as somebody's getting the help they need, whether it is mental health help or an exorcism. <laughs> yes and you know what perhaps the exorcism
1: off maybe it sometimes even acts as kind of like a placebo effect mm-hmm. cathartic because kind of if, the, if the person that is afflicted honestly believes that f- because of mental health reasons or whatever that they have been possessed by a demon and then an exorcism is performed perhaps they feel better because they feel like they've been ridded of it that's true well, Chris French, a skeptic and head of the Anomalistic Psychology Research Unit at Goldsmiths College, said that he doesn't believe in dibbcks or the boxes that supposedly house them. Instead, he offers a different explanation for the strange occurrences.
0: If you believe you've been cursed, then inevitably you explain the bad stuff that happens in terms of what you perceive to be the cause. Put it like this. I would be happy to own this object.
1: It's kind of like what you were saying about the Smurl Haunting. Like, if you're... If you think you've been cursed, and you're gonna chalk everything weird that happens to you up to oh, I must be cursed, and not just coincidence. Someone get that man a Dybbuk
0: box. He sounds like he's fine with I, it. You know what? I've got several Etsy sellers that I can send to. <laughs> You should email him a link just so he. I I will. So what do we think? Well, poor Post Malone, but it sounds like he's fine now. I
1: mean, I think things, he's okay now. Things yeah, are going well. I think well. he's fine now. He's he's good now. Yeah. Do you think it was just a string
0: of bad luck or did Zach Baggins have something to do with this? I think Zach Baggins cursed him somehow. <laughs> no, I mean, it's one of those like, it, I don't know enough. It's one of those where I don't know enough about the spiritual world to be able to say what is or isn't going on in a place like the Haunted Museum. When you gather things, which I do believe humans give off an energy And good or bad, positive or negative, that like when you gather such a grand amount of negative things in a place where it's disrespectful of people's deaths, there's murderabilia, John Wayne Gacy's paintings, things like that, that there's such bad vibes going on in there that if you're not careful and you're bumping into stuff and going around touching it, then I think something could follow you home or some kind of bad or negative energy could follow you back. Is there such a thing as coincidence? Yeah. I mean, he visited in June. The first bad thing happened in August. Who knows if bad things happened in between there that were like smaller or got worse, or it just so happened that he went with a cut rate private jet company and he should have spent a little more. But I think overall, the whole concept of the Dybbuk is, I mean, who's to say is demonic possessions real or, you know, curses real, things like that. There's in this situation the jewish community has kept way better records than any other type because i think the catholic church with the exorcisms try to kind of hide stuff whereas there are records that say this person first name last name date of birth was possessed by a dybbuk these were the people that were there that were in the ten men that were at the ceremony here's the rabbi that performed it the date the time what happened so there's a lot more records of this happening so does that mean maybe it's more realistic And the demonic possessions have just been covered up by the Catholic Church. Or they're just better dictators and and not dictators,
1: uh, note takers.
0: Yes. Or they're just
1: better note takers.
0: Yes, they're better note takers and keeping records. And hopefully I'm glad that in this, you know, in Judaism, they have now, you know, turned towards mental health treatment in conjunction with spiritual treatment And then it seems like, you know, the Catholic Church is pretty much like, we don't have any possessions. What are you talking about? But there are fringe Christianity groups, too, that Paris dated a girl that he goes, yeah, we had to break up because she kept trying to take me to church. And I went to church with her and it was fine. Then they performed an exorcism. And I was like, yeah, this is weird. I'm not going to go to church anymore. That's,
1: uh, That's a boner killer.
0: It was some like fringe little small town rural super Super, super conservative church that, again, it's there's no records of that being kept. And was that girl suffering from some mental health and was just being mistreated, you know, by, yeah. by some ignorant people? So, I don't yeah. know. I think that there's definitely spiritual clinger honors, whether it's a demon or another spirit, and definitely bad energy if Post Malone was going around fondling stuff in the museum. Yeah,
1: I totally agree about the bad energy. And when you get all of those things into one area... I imagine you walk in and it's just this feeling of, like, heaviness and and dread. I also – he – Post Malone never came out and said, I think I've been cursed. The internet kind of put this together because that TMZ released that that video. And so media kind of pushed this agenda like, oh, this is probably what happened to just be salacious or whatever. So – does Post Malone think he was possessed?
0: No, he thinks God hates him. He thinks God hates so, him. Also, yeah. for, from Zach Baggins' perspective, a person who's marginally famous like Zach Baggins being in a TMZ video with somebody who's a superstar famous like Post Malone is real good. Real, I mean, he's, yes. he's when it says TMZ and, and obtained the security footage. Who do you think emailed it to him? Like hundred yeah. percent, it was Zach
1: Baggins yeah. sent that to them. Yes, definitely from his dungeon. That's what his. <laughs> His uh, instead of from my iPhone, all of his <laughs> emails just say "sent from my dungeon."
0: <laughs> Please, excuse me, from- <laughs> yeah. Please excuse me. I would love to get an email from.
1: Please excuse me. Typo's. My uh, my ghost secretary <laughs> is typing this out.
0: Sent from my dungeon.
1: <laughs> I'm going to change my signature to say
0: that. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I'm going to
1: change the Sinisterhood Gmail to yes, say sent from our dungeon. <laughs> we are going to do that. <laughs> 100%. Oh. oh. That's good. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We are a small operation creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show.
0: As a thank you, you'll get some sweet perks like a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves tier, a special shout out on the show, a monthly bonus mini and a Patreon-exclusive video and audio content like our weekly mix bags where we share three of our favorite things of the week. For more details on specific membership tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner to join today. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop in the top right corner, including we've gotten good reviews on our brand new Donna Laser and the Meat Warlock shirt with a special design by Day Off. Yes.
1: And for the month of April, 100% of profits from merch sales will go to the World Health Organization COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts
0: like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterhoodPod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and on Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Instagram at Heather versus the world and on Twitter at MCK versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Uh, keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs Jessica Barfield, Kim Halper, Ariel Rose, Ashley W., Sarah Robertson, Michelle Redbear. Mandy Navarro, Kelly Thomas, Rachel Zimmerman,
1: Autumn Harnett, Ellie Latouche, Chloe Schoen, Kristen Nolly, Tristan Krug, Megan Grinnell, Rachel Sliney, Cooking and Crime, Orla Cleary, Julia X, Monique Waring, Susan Wachowski-Riker, Courtney DeJoy, Joe Teslik, Casey Whitaker, Patricia Smith, Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you. We appreciate you so very much. Keep it
0: creepy. Wahahaha. Sinister food.